Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, and a good morning to you and yours. Here we are on a Monday, up and at them, off the bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask that you please hit the subscribe button to the show. You can also find us on Twitter, on Facebook, where this show is streaming on the Chatterbox Sports page. We also ask you to flip the notification switch on. And if a podcast is more your thing, by all means, wherever you get them, search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. The first half was simply brutal. The Bengals had it all right there in front of them. First place in the division after Baltimore's loss to Cleveland on Saturday. Playing a team that was boat raced last week by the 49ers and had a losing record for the season. And that's the best you got? Are you kidding? But, as the old saying goes, that's why they play two halves. I mean, in that first half, Burrow throws a pick on the first possession on yet another batted ball. They don't get another first down until the final drive of the first half. Meanwhile, Tom Brady's just picking this injured secondary apart. Bengals were down 17-0 before a field goal in the final minutes of the opening half. But my, oh my, did things change. Because as good as the Bucks were in the first half, as bad as the Bengals were in the first half, the script flips almost to the point of disbelief. You got to admit it now. Tampa Bay had 260 yards of offense. 17 points and not a single turnover in the first 30 minutes. In the next 17 minutes, they had 50 yards of offense, no points, and four turnovers. The Bengals scored 24 points off of those turnovers and win their sixth straight game, 34-23. Did you see the note on Tom Brady, by the way? He had an 89-0 record in home games when his team led by 17 points or more. Now, we told you, the Bengals had a chance to move all alone atop the division for the first time all year long. That's after Cleveland shuts down Tyler Huntley and the Ravens 13-3. I don't know about you. Go figure. This is in that go figure department. J.K. Dobbins gets 13 total carries for 125 yards. But that's all he got, 13 carries. So Cincinnati is in first place with three games to go in the regular season. Next up, a trip to New England. We'll get to them in a minute. That is Saturday, remember, Christmas Eve day at 1 o'clock. The Patriots are a game out of the final playoff spot in the AFC. This might have been the single most exciting weekend in the NFL that we have seen in years. Unbelievable games the entire weekend. Seven games were decided in the final two minutes of regulation or in overtime. Now, how about the Minnesota Vikings? They're down 33-0 against Indianapolis at halftime. They come back and win. It's the greatest comeback in the history of the National Football League. Then Saturday night in the snow in Buffalo, Josh Allen, it was impressive. 
15 plays, 86 yards in the final minutes to beat Miami. And Miami showed up. I didn't think they would. Dolphins showed up. 32-29 the final. Allen throws four touchdown passes in the game. The Chiefs were extended into overtime by the lowly Texans. But Kansas City takes advantage of a fumble in overtime, win 30-24. It's Kansas City's seventh consecutive AFC West title. That's the second longest consecutively all time. Only Tom Brady's Patriots, one more, 11 in a row from 09 to 2019. Now the Cowboys, with a win, had a chance to nail down a playoff spot. That was in Jacksonville, but the Jags get a game-tying field goal at the end of regulation, then win it in OT, 40-34. Trevor Lawrence throws four touchdowns in the win. Don't look now, but with Tennessee's loss to the Chargers, Jacksonville a game out of first place. And by the way, thanks to the Giants' win in D.C., the Cowboys did get that final playoff spot. Zach Wilson, meanwhile, throws for 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns, but it was not enough to beat the surging Lions. Detroit 7-7 seven and seven with a 20-17 win. We call them the fighting Chris Spielmans. They're a half game out of the final playoff spot with three to go. And, and, and do we have this play teed up? We do. I mean, I know many of you had to see this. Now, now, now let me just tee this up for a second if you did. It's 24-24. Okay, three seconds to go in regulation. Take a knee, go to overtime, right? Oh, no. New England's going to outsmart everybody, right? Greatest coach in the history of the NFL. Of that, it cannot be denied. But look at this. This is what happens. The final play of regulation. Remember now, the game is tied. Okay, Mac Jones is at quarterback. And they decide at the 45 we're going to try something kind of cute here. So they get a long run. Time has expired. And now we're going to start flipping it around. Now let's throw it across the field. Whoop! Chandler Jones. Bye-bye. That's the way the game ends. The Raiders win the game on that play. Has anyone ever seen anything like that? No. I mean, seriously. It'd be one thing if your team is behind, right? But when you're tied and that's the way the game ends, I mean, Mac Jones is looking around going, what in the world is happening here? It's unbelievable. Play it again, Casey. Play yeah. it one more time. Uh, can I play it with the audio? Please. Yeah. Mac Hollins out on defense. He's all the way back. As Stevenson is, anyone gonna is inside the 30, flips it back. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh oh, it's picked off. Uh oh, oh no. Unbelievable. Oh wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. Casey McAllister, Paul Fritschner, good morning, men. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. How would you like to be a Patriots fan today? Now, you've been spoiled rotten, all the success, all the Super Bowls. So, you know, that's fine. We know that. It's now old news. Can you imagine 
if they don't make the playoffs, and now they're on the outside looking in with three to go, and they know they got to play the Bengals this week. Can you imagine if you don't make the playoffs? Now, you can go back and dissect every play during the season, and there are no doubt dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of plays, where you say, well, we make that play, we might have won that game, and we might be in. But can you imagine if that's the play that keeps you out of the playoffs? So Jacoby Myers definitely thought that the Patriots were losing, right? And that's the only thing you can think is that he definitely thought the Patriots were losing. So I had a couple of questions. One, why are they lateraling in the first place? And two, why is he throwing the ball back to Mac Jones? What And what world did he think that Mac Jones was the person 20 yards behind where he was that was going to then reverse the field and get all the way around the edge on the other side? Where, where did he think in any scenario that that was a good even if you want to lateral it there were like three patriots that were closer to the play than mac jones was there was no scenario where that play even if the patriots were losing was the right play i just have no idea what he was doing i don't i mean i don't think anybody does but no clue yeah i mean <laughs> i would not want to be a patriots fan right now i mean I am down bad if I'm a Patriots fan. I, I'm already coffin nails, six feet under. My season's over. You lost to the Raiders like that? And they dominated the second half of that game. I mean, New England fell behind, and, and then they started playing quite well, and the wheels fall off. I mean, it's just it, – it's stunning. Um. One other play you have to at least look at for entertainment value because, you know, I, I don't know if the guy's going to be a great quarterback, a mediocre quarterback, a less than mediocre quarterback. I have no idea. But the single most exciting quarterback in the NFL is Justin Fields. I mean, this guy is just, I'm not saying he's a great quarterback, so don't anybody go off the reservation here. Brandon turned around like I just said he's better than Joe Burrow. It's not what I said. What I said is, He's the most exciting quarterback in the NFL. When the ball touches his hands, you have no idea what's going to happen. Well, that's true. <laughs> Watch this play. This is insane. Turn the sound on. Fields moves in the pocket and gets away. Justin Fields takes off, turns a sack into a big game and a first down. Justin Fields, otherworldly, stays in, steps out at the nine. Out of bounds, inside the... I mean, that's just insane. That is really insane. I mean, that is unbelievable. He ended up stepping out of bounds, they said. But look at this. Surrounded, nowhere to go. Eagles all over him. Turns on the Jets, off to the sideline. Breaks a tackle there. Three, four, five guys around him. Nope, nope, nope. Spin. Should have been six. They should have just given him a touchdown. <laughs> he literally has to do everything by himself. He does. I mean, you know, it, that's why it's unfair of people out there to make any kind of a judgment yet on Justin Fields because that offensive line, I mean, you just saw it. The second he catches a ball out of shotgun, and it's almost every play, the second – Look at the graphic. Put yeah, that up here, I'm going to put it up. This is in the second quarter. 11 dropbacks. He had been sacked three times and knocked down three times. So six of the 11, he's getting killed. That looked like the Bengals the first two weeks of the season. 
Yeah. But I that's mean, every week for the Bears. And he's mobile. Imagine how much worse it would be if he wasn't. Oh, yeah, there's no question. Um, the World Cup. Now, from people who know the history of the sport, I'm not one of those people. But the World Cup finale yesterday is being talked about and considered to be the greatest title game of all time. After 17 years with the Argentinian national team, Messi, you, just, you only say his name. You don't have to say the first name or the last name. You just say Messi, right? They win the World Cup with a penalty shot decision over the reigning champions, the French. Messi said afterwards he is not retiring. And not since Brazil in 2002 has a South American team lifted the championship trophy. And we all believe that's where the best soccer in the world is played, oftentimes. Yeah, that was an unbelievable finish. That last hour, the last 20 minutes of regulation, extra time, and then penalties. That last hour was just... Unbelievable. I will, I will, I mean, I jokingly tweeted something out. If you follow me on Twitter, I, I, I jokingly tweeted a meme out. But, like, in all seriousness, I will not forget for a long time that one. I mean, that's, that's a top sporting moment that anybody who watched that will remember. And that's, it was unbelievable. Yeah, that's why we watch, that's why you watch soccer for games oh, like man. that. That game, <laughs> unbelievable. It and, was unbelievable. And that cat, uh, I don't know how you pronounce his name for Mbappe. 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 Oh, that dude's unbelievable. It was, nice. it was funny. I saw a video afterwards. Some guy, uh, some soccer fan put a video out and goes, well, if this was their first time watching soccer, just, just stop. Just stop now. Just stop while you're ahead because it doesn't get better than that. Yeah, the, uh, the, the one, I think it was their third goal for France. That is like the most unbelievable set of, set of passes and, and, and plays yeah. that were made for Mbappe to make that final goal the ball doesn't even hit the ground he kicks it yeah in air <laughs> that that's how incredible this game was like it was just yeah. mind-blowing well um, the, the third was the the third was Mbappe's penalty in extra time yeah. the second one the second the one, one that Sorry. equalized in like the 89th minute was unbelievable I mean they scored two goals in in a minute and 33 seconds yeah yep. I could spend, falling behind two yeah. nothing yeah so Fantastic. congratulations. I'm sure that it is a party but, like you've never seen in Argentina. But even more so than that, how about the Argentinian goalie? His save yeah. in yeah. like the 123rd yeah. minute because yeah. that's a winner. If that finds the back of the net, he kicks his leg out, saves it, and then goes into the penalties and saves two. Well, one save, the other one he he missed. Yeah. Uh, missed. He went wide of the net. But still, I mean – for as, as well as Messi played, scoring two goals in the final, Mbappe scores three goals in the final. I mean, for as well as, as those two guys played, the goalie, man. Well, the, the goalie the is the most pressurized position in, in all of sports where you have a goalie and you're playing at the highest level. I mean, the pressure is mind-boggling for the goalie. You know, position players run around out there, and, you know, you, if you catch one, you get a header in the net, or you're able to get a breakaway, you pass. It's a borderline offside call. There was one of those late in the game yesterday. You know, you got to bang it in. But for the goalie, you give them up, and it's all they talk about. When you stop them, it'll be rare uh, that they say anything about you. They'll talk about all the offensive players. <laughs> That's the nature of the game. It is. Right. It's the nature of the game. Um and I know all about it. I mean, on a much smaller scale, but as a father of a goalie in lacrosse, if your team's expected to win the championship 
and his high school is, the state championship, you know, start the year every year, thinking, oh, we're going to win our conference, we're going to win our division. That's not it. And that's not it with Argentina. That's not it with France in soccer. That's not it with certain teams in hockey. You're, you're, you're thinking the season begins, we went to win the fill-in-the-blank, the whole thing. And the pressure on a goalie is mind-boggling. College football, oh boy. UC loses to Louisville badly in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. That was on Saturday, 24-7. The offense was just putrid. No other way to describe it. 38 rushes, 44 yards on 38 rushing attempts. Two for 13 on third down. Evan Prater, 7 of 17 for 83 yards and a touchdown. Bearcats finished 9 and 4 on the year and the Big 12 is on deck. Oh boy. Ooh. Miami dropped a tough one. They played well. I give it up to Coach Martin and the Red Hawks. They lose in the Bahamas Bowl to UAB 24 to 20. They finish 6 and 7. In uh, college basketball, UC beat Louisville 78-60 over the weekend. Cats 8 and 4 next up. Detroit Mercy on the 21st this week. And Xavier opens Big East Conference play. 102-89, a win on the road at Georgetown. The Muskies host Seton Hall, who's 7-5 on the year, at the Centos Center tomorrow night. All right, we've got him by the hundreds, if not thousands. Seth Pryor, UK basketball is a mess. Tom, I don't know if you've been following, but Kentucky basketball is an absolute disaster this year. They're 7-3 on the year, but they're 1-3 against power conference teams, and they're 4-13 and against in their last 17 games against ranked teams. Their offense is terrible. They scored oh, wow. 53 points against UCLA. You're fighting Mick Cronin's. Well, I, I, I made the comment. I mean, I was sitting there with a buddy of mine who's a Kentucky grad. UCLA is for real. They've got experience. They've got depth. They are unbelievably well coached. Cronin's a great coach. And... Um, I'd watch them come tournament time if they stay healthy. UCLA? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They, they're, they're poised for another deep run. Well, the other thing, too, is they're experienced. I mean, you That's look at I mean. Tiger Campbell, yeah. Jaime Hawkins, they were both on that Final Four team a couple yep. of years ago. So yep. they've been there and they've done that. Yep. Um, all right. Coming up on the program today, we have Brian Billick to talk all that is the National Football League. There are a lot of big topics out there, some things going on. You know, the one that I find interesting is is uh, the, the, the Jets thing. I mean, Wilson, who was awful, was pretty good yesterday. Throws for over 300, couple of touchdowns. Um, but Mike White is their guy. He couldn't go. And, it, you know, got hurt, got killed the week before against Buffalo. Kept coming back. But if you're the head coach, what do you do? If White is back healthy and you were winning games with him, but now the Wilson guy is coming off a decent game. Do you give it back to White? And what about the Lions? Oh, baby. And what about the Bengalis? I think there's a lot of good. And I think there, there are some questions. And I don't want to hear the two words together. And those two words are last year. This is a different year. It's a new year. They're a better team this year than they were last year. Does that mean they're going to go to the Super Bowl again? Of course not. Does that mean they're going to win the Super Bowl? Of course not. 
Are they one of the top three or four contending teams to win the Super Bowl right now? Without a doubt. You got Philadelphia, you got the Niners, you got the Bills, you got the Chiefs, and you got the Bengals in no particular order. Those are the five teams right now, not to say somebody else outside of that box can't win it, but right now, and I exclude the Cowboys, because I continue to say that Dak Prescott is not going to win the big one. I'm convinced of it. I think they will find a way to screw the thing up. Coaching decisions, penalties, whole nine yards. So you got the Bengals in that group. And look, the Ravens are going to get Lamar Jackson back, but where will they be when they get Lamar Jackson back? Because Huntley did not look good. Your Cleveland Browns, Casey. The team you say stinks. You might want to clarify that and never utter those words again, just based on, if nothing else, the favor they did you and all Bengals fans on Saturday. Well, at least they don't smell revolting now. They just kind of stink. But they still stink. (laughs) You know, I am happy that they won against the Ravens. And my one take that I've been hammering down looks really bad about Tyler Huntley. But... The team itself, the Ravens, is so dependent on Lamar Jackson and his play in order to be successful that it is not sustainable. That's the same thing I'm going to say about the Bills later on. The Bills have a little bit more structure. They've got a little bit more, like they've got Diggs who could take over a game. They had Von Miller who could take over a game. But he's out for the year. But he's out for the year. And now so much, so much of the Ravens game plan is for Lamar to just pop off. And if he doesn't, they struggle. And it's a close game. And the coaching staff is good enough to push him over the top. But if they get into these matches with like Kansas City or the Bills, which they haven't played either of those teams yet, I don't think they win. I think if they play the Bengals now, I don't think they win. And we'll see how Lamar does after the fact. I mean, it was a sprain, right, on it, on his right knee or something like that? It was a knee sprain, yep. Yeah, I. those are tricky. Those There's are tricky. no question about it. All right, listen, we're going to talk more about the Bengals game. We're going to do our picks early, so we're going to review those picks over the weekend okay. coming up here, okay? And then we'll talk about the Bengals, and we'll roll right that into to Brian Billick and Dan Horde. You're watching Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Am I throwing it to you guys, or are we going to a break? First break, we're going to UDF. All right, we're going to UDF. Here we go. All right, he's walking right in right here. We're back. We're back. Tom, uh, what, what is, what is, where are we at here with uh, KC and, and the stink list? Do we need an updated stink list well, today, we, or is we, that? We always assume we're going to get one, but when I asked him uh, the question before the show started, if he had one updated, he said no. So what am I supposed to do? Well, well I, I don't mean to throw you under the bus here, Casey. I'm not, there, if there's one thing we can't do, it's rush art. So we're not going <laughs> to rush the stink it, list. So it's not it's that. not ready. It, it will be ready. Okay. It'll be ready within the show. Okay. All right. Tom, how much did you enjoy the Bengals game yesterday? I mean, I loved it. But, but, but I got to tell you, I, I mean, you know, look, the first half, and, and you, uh, we were talking about this beforehand, okay? And this is why I said I don't want to hear about last year. Because last year is old news. Different team, different opponents, 
the whole nine yards. Just because you came back and beat Kansas City last year down 17-3, to I think it was, just because you did it last year uh, doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it this year. I am convinced if they fall behind a good team, and there are only so many good teams. So, I mean, you fell behind, if you fell behind Baltimore 17-3, I think you'd come back and win. You fall behind Buffalo 17-3, it ain't happening. They're not turning the ball over four times in 17 minutes. It's just not happening. So, you know, look, this has been an M.O. of the Bengals in, in the last couple of years. There's a reason why they have to come back and win all the time, right? Because they're not playing well early in games. That's a fact. Now, a lot of you on the chat, I mean, you, you've gone off the reservation completely saying the Bengals would blow out the Eagles. and I mean, come on. Maybe they would. And I'm all in. They've won six in a row there in first place for the first time all year long. And what are they? Uh, they're 10-2 and two since starting the year 0-2. Oh so they're on a remarkable run, and we continue to get back, fellas. The one thing I will say, the two things I will say. Number one, their depth is mind-boggling. And we've discussed this on this show many, many times, and the credit goes to Duke Tobin and all the player personnel people, the coaching staff. Um, you know, Trey Flowers was a guy, and be honest, he, he's yet another example of guys that, you know, you, you get down on, you see them in a game, and you're like, oh, my God, what's he doing in there? Well, you know, you've already lost to Wouzier. Hilton didn't play yesterday. You get other guys hurt during the game. Sam Hubbard gets hurt. A size steps up. They didn't have Hendrickson. And yet, they find a way to win a game like they did yesterday. So their depth is mind-boggling. And I will give the coaching staff credit as far as whatever it is they're doing at halftime to get things turned around. Because they have proven they start slow and they find a way to get it going and they do play better in the second half. Now, Casey, you are like many in our chat right now, blindly walking around as though the Bengals are unbeatable. Oh, well. You're right there with them, Case. Come on. It's all right. Nothing wrong with it. It's part of being a fan. But would you want to take your chances falling behind Buffalo 17-3? to Yeah, sure. I think that actually might be a benefit for us. Yes. Yes. Not only is it you guys have listened. You guys have honestly now. It's one thing to be a homer show. You guys have absolutely lost your mind. Let me see. I got people in here, and this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong with society. I got Everett and some other guys saying I'm a Bengals hater. That is the furthest thing from the truth on the planet. I just called Duke Tobin a little while ago. I'm thrilled at the way they're playing. I think they got a hell of a team. I think they got a team that can win the Super Bowl. But nobody in their right mind is going to sit here and tell me they feel good if they fell behind the Buffalo Bills 17-3. to Well, let me explain my take. Will you let me do that? Please. <laughs> okay. So, the reason why it'll benefit the Bengals is because everyone still doubts us, Tom. The Bills don't think we're good. They think we're just some Joe Schmo team. Well, well who are you? First of all, let me, as you go through this, and I'll give you all the time you want. Who in the world is saying that the, 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 the Bengals are some Joe Schmo team? 
Jim Nance said yesterday that I hear who day chants in the stands. It, who who day? They are a force. And did Those you were hear, the words of Jim Nance. And did you Hello, hear Tony friends. Romo? Hello, friend. Oh, he's a little Brady. No, he's Joe Burrow. Give him his due credit. Oh, I got a lot to say about Tony Romo, but we'll we'll get on to that much Do later. We, like Th- this this team is still doubted. Tom Brady even said before this game, "Oh, they've got a decent defense. They got they're, they're they're all right." And then he turns it over four times. Yes, I get it. One of them was a bad a bad handoff, but there's three. There's two interceptions. There's one forced fumble. That team Heard it loud and clear, woke up, came ready to play, hit him straight in the mouth. The exact same thing can happen in any given game, right? But the Bengals thrive in the second half, regardless of their situation. I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what sort of magic that Luana Rumo puts on all the Bengals players. I don't know what they do offensively to change so much. But this team thrives with adversity. It thrives in second halves. And if the Bills go up 17-3 to in any situation, they think they've got that game sealed because they're the Bills. I, I don't think Sean McDermott allows that to happen. I got to be honest. I have, I'm not on the train anymore that people doubt the Bengals. I think people very much respect the Bengals. I think we're beyond that. Yeah. Maybe because we're in this ecosystem in Cincinnati, that's where we are because that's what we want to hear. But I think nationally when you read things or when you hear things, I mean, I, I think the Bengals are getting all of the credit in the world that they deserve nationally. I don't think that they're getting slighted anymore. I think when you beat the Chiefs three times in a year, when you're ripping off a six-game winning streak over competitive good teams – I do think that the Bengals are getting every bit the due that they are deserved. It was very bizarre, though, yesterday, hearing some of the things that Tony Romo was saying on the air. And I'm not – I was not really the – I don't want to say I'm like a Romo hater, but I don't really – the one thing that I find weird just like as broadcasting, and I'd love to hear your thought, Tom, he defers to Jim Nance a lot in really big spots. He'll he'll ask Jim, what what do you think, Jim? Should, Should they go for it here? Tony, you're the analyst. It's Jim setting you up. Jim is teeing you up to ask those questions. I I didn't really understand what Tony was trying to say at three or four times during the game last yesterday. I don't think necessarily he's like a hater or anything. But no, I, but I but think that what's happened is 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 when Romo started, okay, when he first came on the scene, and he's a, he's a likable guy. I mean, you know, he, he's a he he's not some egomaniac. Um, I've met him a number of times when he was a player. I've not talked to him since he became a broadcaster, but when I would do Cowboys games and he was a quarterback, sit down and meet with him. Very likable, approachable, uh, Midwest guy. You know, grew up in Wisconsin, played at Eastern Illinois, whatever it was. I mean, he's a regular guy. Um, but, I mean, look, if he's CBS's number one guy, he is not in the same galaxy with Aikman and Collinsworth no those guys are on it they're prepared they know people's names right instead of just Lou or some defensive coordinator or what I mean they know it's Lou Anarumo boom just like that and um, 
you know, I, I sat there at times yesterday, and everybody got all excited when he first showed up on the scene, and he's predicting plays, and some of them hit. They're not talking about the ones that he would predict and he would miss. And look, I've been in, a, I've been in the broadcast, and I shared with Casey before the game. You know, one of the parts of being a broadcaster on the NFL where you're going in and doing teams' names, and I mean, teams you never see before, every single fan on both sides at the end of the game thinks you hate their team and you're rooting against them. And as I said to Casey, the only thing you care about when you show up doing those games, one, you do a great job, you're prepared, and number two, whenever your plane leaves, you want to be on it and not delayed. That's all you care about. But if, well, it, if it comes across – sorry, Casey, I don't mean to go cut you off, but I got a direct question here for Tom on this. If you see feedback after the game that from both sides that you hate their team, isn't that exactly what you want? To me as a broadcaster, that would be exactly what I want. If the Bengals fans say that I hate their team and the Bucks fans say that I hate their team, that tells me I'm playing it straight down the middle. That's how I interpret that. I don't know about you, Tom, but that's how I would well, – I, I, I would I, take that what, as a good thing. Yeah. What drives me insane is – is the 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 prediction of the play while it's happening? Oh, that hit off the ground. Well, clearly it wasn't. That was a great play by Pratt. Pratt. Or it'll be like, oh, that wasn't a fumble. Brady was definitely down, and it is clearly a fumble. It's like he wants these scenarios to clearly happen. That he's saying it, and he's hoping it'll happen before the play is even done, or before he even actually has a chance to see it. Right? I mean, that that is what drives me insane, is you can tell by the way he's trying to narrate the game in a direction that is favored towards Tampa. <laughs> I, he I, was. I, was he not? I don't know. He I did it multiple times. No, no listen. Li li listen, Casey. He's not. He doesn't care he who doesn't wins. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. And look, Emperor in, inside the chat, this is the bottom line on so many different things. But the bottom line is simply this. You will start getting that kind of quote-unquote respect when you win a Super Bowl. The Bengals franchise has never won a Super Bowl. And until you win one, there are going to be people out there that are going to, if for lack of a better term, defer a little bit to the guys that have won it. And yesterday, Burrow right now is a better player than Tom Brady. Of that, there is no debate whatsoever. None at all. But Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl rings. True. Seven. So, you know, the same thing happens with Hall of Fame voting for players. That's why guys like Kenny Anderson and Ken Riley and some other guys are not in the Hall of Fame. Their team never won a Super Bowl. And it happens inside a broadcast. I mean... There are two stories that have to be told there if you're sitting in the booth. And we're spending way too much time talking about the broadcasters instead of the game. But th there are two stories that need to be told there. You have to present the Bengal story. Joe Burrow. All these guys that are hurt. They've won six in a row. They're knocking on the door for a number one seed. How can they get there? Those are questions that as a broadcaster... You have to lay out all those things for the people watching at home. You also have to watch out and lay out the other side, the other team they're playing. This is Tom Brady. Are we getting near the end? 
The Buccaneers are still in first place. Right now, they played Dallas in a playoff game. Could they beat Dallas? Nance asking Romo these questions during the game. You have to lay these things out for the entirety of your audience. This is a national game going to 90-something percent of the country. They can't sit there and talk about the Bengals for the last 25 minutes of the broadcast and talk about the Bengals only. They can't do it. Uh, that's not what I'm asking. I'm just asking them to let whatever is called on the field be what you talk about. J don't, don't go into the prediction business. That's not what we want. We don't want you to sit there and go, oh, that wasn't a fumble. Oh, that wasn't an interception. We want you to say, oh, they called an interception on the field. Let's take a closer look at it. Oh, I don't know, Jim. No, that's not what he does. Regardless, let's move on. I'm tired of talking about him. He drives me nuts. Everyone thinks the same thing. Okay. Uh, quick note here before we move on too quickly. Uh, just to make sure that you like the video, if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, please do so. You can find this show in podcast form, everything like that. Just search Off the Bench or Chatterbox Sports on any podcast network. But if you like the video, helps the channel out. Know we got some big numbers in here today. Tom, go ahead. <laughs> All right, fellas, are we going to jump in our picks right now? Yeah, we or can. We want to spend about 10 minutes talking Look, about the Bengals game more in depth. Yeah, yeah. we need to talk more about the Bengals. Okay. We talked what way too hard about What would you guys like to talk about? Well, I want to talk about the defense because it's a tale of two different halves to me. Yep. And there, there's questions and answers, but first half, miserable. Couldn't stop anything. Except I will say this. They always seem to get it done in the red zone. They do. They'll find a way. They won't stop you every time. But that's been Lou, Lou Anarumbo, one of his primary talking points to that defense. 20 to the 20, they get their yards, they get their yards. But when the other team gets inside the red zone, and they, they scored a couple of touchdowns yesterday, early in the, but they also stopped them a couple of times. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. I thought... I thought our defense just showed why they're a championship caliber defense. The depth there is unmatched. I mean, Osai was getting to the quarterback. We were wondering when that was going to happen. He showed up big, was pressuring him. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if he was the cause of the pressure that led to the force fumble, but he was definitely a factor in pressuring, at least in the second half. And it always just seems like Luana Rumo finds, like I said, the magic. I don't know how he does it, but with everyone hurt, even Hubbard got hurt. Yep. Like, it, it just doesn't matter. CTB goes down. And it's like, man, we're, we're down to the bottom of the barrel. We're just barely scraping by, and we're still getting interceptions, fumbles, uh, stops. It doesn't matter what it is. And something that hasn't really happened all year happened yesterday and that was the amount of turnovers the amount of just taking the ball away we just don't really take the ball away that's not what the Bengals are known for they know they're known for stopping you on yep. third down but it just didn't matter yesterday it was just like we're gonna get that ball I mean did you see even like like I said before the the Pratt play I mean, he's got it one-handed under. Like, yeah. he just... That's a great play. Lanes. Great play. Now, I will say this. Tell me if you guys agree. Okay. The 
single biggest turning point of the game was a fake punt. Yeah. It's 17-3. to Tampa Bay gets the ball to start the second half. They're ahead 17-3. They have dominated this game in every way imaginable. At this point, they still have not turned the ball over yet. On fourth down, and, you know, look, one of my favorite all-time Bengals players for uh, what he did on the field, I thought he was so, so grossly underused here as a player, was Giovanni Bernard. A hell of a player and top-shelf first-class guy all the way. Now, he's the guy in between the snapper and the punter, okay? And he said afterwards there was miscommunication on the play. It was fourth down and a yard. Todd Bowles said afterwards, if that play is handled cleanly, it's a five-yard gain, they get a first down, and we have no idea what would have happened after that. But to even think about a fake punt, in my opinion, when you're ahead 17-3 to was one of the greatest gifts you could ever ask for because the entire complexion of that game changed on that single play. If they punt it, they punt it 45 yards, whatever it is, Bengals are starting to drive down 17-3 to inside their own 20. That's, again, one of those plays where when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, why don't you just go for it? If you know you're going to go for it, just do it. Don't fake that. Just do it. If you've made up your mind, you're going to go for it. A lot of these times, these coaches try to – you try to run the trick play. You saw it in Ohio State and Michigan a few weeks ago. Just go for it. I mean, granted, in the Ohio State game, it would have worked by a long shot. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how well this one would have worked. I didn't see a better angle on it, but – I, oh man, uh, to me, if you've made up your mind as a coaching staff that you want to go for it on fourth down inside your own territory like that, Paul Tanner Jr. tweeted out uh, after the third quarter was over, every single play in the third quarter was ran in the Bucks side of the field. That's incredible. When was yeah. the last time you've ever seen something like that? Because well, I, I've never seen four turnovers that fast in my life. Well, you had two picks and two fumbles, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean you, you know things are going your way, even on that play. And I don't know what Burrow is doing on the one play where he's running 30 yards back behind the line of scrimmage and takes a sack. Oh, yeah. I wonder. And, and they get the holding call, defensive holding call. Now, there were a lot of missed calls in that game. The one play where Chase gets hit in the face as the ball's coming in. And, I mean, I, I don't know how in the world you miss that call. But, but, but you know, look, you, you make your own breaks, you know. And Brady is just, it's hard to watch. I'm not going to sit here and defend that one Burrow play, but I wonder if he saw the flag and knew it was a free play. Well, I don't know if anybody asked him about that. I did not see that. Yeah, I don't don't know. But regardless, the defense is the reason why we won last last night. I don't don't think that's uh, up for debate. I mean, they, they literally, like you said, every play on the third quarter was on Tampa Bay's side. Yeah, it's incredible. Yep. And yep. I, I always hate the arguments too, Tom, where you get into it and you say, oh, the offense didn't really have to do anything. They just So what? That's just the That's opportunities right. that were presented in front of them. It's like when people say, well, you haven't beaten anybody. Well, in the NFL, you're not, you're not changing your schedule. You nope. just play the teams in front of you. And when you start hearing people say, oh, they just had to drive the short field. They only had to drive 30 yards in the third quarter and score a couple of touchdowns. Well, 
That's because the complementary part of the team, the defense, did their job to create turnovers. So the fact that Joe Burrow only had to drive 30 yards was because the better half of your team at that point in the game right there did its job. So I, I, I just think that that's a lazy argument sometimes that you see from people. I think it might just be frustrated fans too, but I get tired of hearing it. Well, people have a reason to be excited because, uh, as I said earlier, I don't think there's any debate whatsoever. Now, look, I, I don't know where the, what the injury situation is going to be. And by the way, give it up to Tyler Boyd for getting out there and playing yesterday. Uh, Higgins with a hamstring. He was out there. Made an unbelievable catch, by the way, on that. Is that a two-point conversion? I can't remember. Or a touchdown. That, that, that ball right over the middle, and he just reaches out. And those hands of his, I mean, it's like he has nine fingers on each hand. It's just insane <laughs> the way that guy catches the ball. But uh, Boyd, gamer. I mean gamer. And we said he was a gamer. He left the game the week before. We said if it was a playoff game, they'd shoot that thing up and put him in there, and he was going to play. And I don't know where if they shot anything up or not, but he was out there and probably a good chance. Um, and he was out there playing, and you give it up to the guy. Uh, Pratt has been an outstanding player. Uh, you know, he, he you know said a few things last week, which we didn't get into a lot, uh, about wanting to be on the field more. Said he's a three-down linebacker. Uh, and he was getting taken out in certain situations. I did not think Logan Wilson had a good game yesterday at all. Not at all. Didn't he have like 15 tackles? I don't care how many tackles he had. I mean, that's fine. He goes out there and he's going to... Linebackers, if you're in on three downs, you should get a lot of tackles every game. But I just thought there were times yesterday where, where he was not as sharp as he normally is. But Pratt has been fantastic. Uh, Eli Apple has played really well for this team. And yeah. the thing I love about Apple is, man, he just keeps on running that mouth. And he's not afraid of anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, you know, he, 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 he might get burned. And he might get burned a second time. And he might get burned a third time. But he is going to keep on coming at you. And so I say kudos to Apple. I don't know how long he's going to be here. Bengals have big decisions to make at the end of the year on guys like Bates, Pratt, Apple, among many others. They get some big decisions to make. But that's for another day and another time. They have to get guys back, though, if they truly are going to contend for the Super Bowl. Because as things went yesterday, and let's be honest, okay? I mean, let's be completely honest. In many ways, they were gifted that game. I'm not saying they didn't go out and win it, but they were handed... Back to what just Paul said. When you have every play in the quarter that's played at the Tampa Bay end of the field, that's being gifted four turnovers in 17 minutes, okay? I do not want to line up and have to play in a meaningful game, a playoff game, without Hilton, without Hurst, without Hubbard, without Hendrickson, without fill-in-the-blank. Right? No, Nobody I agree. Does. So if you're going to win the whole thing, you got to get the horses back on the field. All right. Let's... Um, Let's get to picks. Okay. Let's because we got uh, Brian Billick coming up, and he'll have a lot to say, I'm sure, about Baltimore. He still pays a lot of attention to that team that he won a Super Bowl as their head coach. Uh, and what's going on there? Because their defense is great, uh, but their offense is just brutal. And this will give us a good chance to talk about some of these games we haven't talked about yet. Uh, let's throw the picks record up here. For everybody that hasn't uh, followed us all season, it's coming right down to the wire. 
87 and 66. Casey and I tied right at the top. Tom, you're right on our tail. But uh, this is the record going into the weekend. And then we're going to start it off with the Ravens and the Browns. We all picked the Ravens, Tom, and we all got burnt. We said we weren't going to pick the I Browns. said I was going to yeah. flip. You did. I should have flipped. You did. Because I, I, I thought the Browns were going to win that game. They still stink. Okay. All right. Next one up. Dolphins and Bills. Bills won, but they didn't cover. That was a hell of a game. It How was. Wasn't it was it? a good game. I mean, the whole scene, crowd, that is such an unbelievable place to watch a game in Buffalo. Their fans are just unbelievable. And Miami's feisty, and, too. What's that? Miami's feisty. You know, Miami showed up. I, I mean, I made a joke about them, and they're, they're nice little teal and orange uniforms and, you know, look like, uh, you know, uh, a lollipop or an ice cream, something when they show up in cold weather. But they showed up. They look pretty good. But all of a sudden, uh, that's not a slam dunk. The Dolphins are going to be in the playoffs. No, nope. no. They've lost three in a row. Okay, we move on. All right, next one, the fighting Chris Spielmans. The, the fighting Chris Spielmans. Motor City, Dan Campbell, getting it done. Started one and six, since then six and one. A half game back. Their issue is going to be this. Now, Seattle's going to lose again because they've got to play Kansas City and a couple of other teams. They're going to lose again. Um, the Commanders are probably going to lose again. So, the fighting Chris Spielman's, if they went out, they're in. They're in. And if you were watching Box Lunch, you would have known. Let's make it. Let, we put money on the Jags to make the playoffs. They're one game back. We'll get back. We'll get to that later. And the Lions. Where, 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 where were the odds on the Lions? Do you remember? I think it was like plus a thousand. Yeah, it was something like that. Something plus a thousand or plus seven hundred, and then that would be the sure. reverse for okay. Jags. Yeah, yeah. I gotta tell you, I love some of these guys we have in the chat. Chat's popping off today. I mean, you know, Sir Boy Wonder five one three and Zachary Seattle will beat Kansas City. Now, is there a chance? Of course, there's a chance. I mean, you know, you put the guys against one another and you kick it off in sixty minutes. You see what happens. Come on, go ahead. Well, I, the Texans almost beat the Chiefs yeah, yesterday. I understand. Yeah. I, you know, you, look, you're going to have games where you have a little bit of a, a letdown. I mean, hell, the Bengals had a letdown and a half. You're going to have games, you know. Bottom line is uh, they forced the fumble on the run in overtime, and then McKinnon runs it in and throws his helmet. <laughs> I don't know if that thing landed in the stands or what happened. All right. All right. Next what else we up. got? Sunday night football. Mm. Oh. G-Men, Dayball. And there's a bit How of controversy. that guy walking around the way he looks on the sideline? Did you see him last night? Just stalking around. Had the hoodie up. I love Brian Dayball, man. <laughs> I loved him in Buffalo. I love him now in New York. It's the best. Have you seen the controversy, though? At the end of the, the, end of the game, they were that touchdown that got called back for illegal formation. You can see the receiver check with the ref. Yep. And the ref gives him the thumbs up. Yep. And then he throws the flag as soon as they call the play. Well, That's... even more so than that was the pass interference on the last play. Because, I mean, that was pass interference on the last play. They brought in Mike Pereira. And Mike's like, uh, 
Yeah, Mike, Chris, that was pass interference. Yeah, man. No, was that wasn't over. Pereira on NBC. What? No, Pereira's on Fox. Oh, yeah. Who was it then? I don't know. Terry McCauley. Terry McCauley. Yeah, no, Terry that's, McCauley. Uh, that's CBS. Oh, I went 0 for 2. Who's I the. Think it's, I'm, uh, I'm looking at him. I watched the whole segment. No, Sterator is on CBS. So McCauley. Yeah, it is Terry McCauley. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. And did, what did he say? It was, it was oh, yeah. He, was, he came on in, in the nicest Terry McCauley way possible. He w- Yeah, guys, you know, that's pass interference right there. Yeah, they were not happy. Um, not happy at all. Uh, they being the commanders and Ron Rivera after the game. All right. Comments about the officiating. Last uh, NFL game before we get into our college recap. Who day? Bengalis. Hey, Casey and I, 2-0 when we sing. It's okay. Maybe. We'll wait till Friday. You can sing again. All right. <laughs> Perfect. New England will be played, uh, the Bengals at New England. And again, to remind everybody, there, there, uh, there will be three games on Christmas Day. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I just don't like it. Um, I have to say, um, that's the NBA saying, let them do their thing on Christmas day, you know, whatever it is. Uh, They they should have moved every game in the NFL next week to, um, Christmas Eve day. Shouldn't be playing Christmas day. Hear the Bengals growling. Well, you better just wait, fellas. (laughs) You better wait till Friday. All right, on to the college game we go. And Paul, again, separating himself from the pack. Goes with the Red Hawks. Red Hawks. Jock. You know what? That game, and I don't know how much you watched of it, but I watched very little. But that fumble by the UA guy on the punt changed everything. Yeah. We had it on here in the office in the background. We weren't listening to it, but we had the the game on on the TV. And uh, it, it felt like every time we looked up, something was going on. And Miami, they stayed in it to their credit. They had a chance, but... They covered the 11. That's what mattered to us. That's right. All right. Next, okay. next one next? up. The Roadrunners and the Trojans. You, you Again, you go with Troy. I mean, I, don't, I can't believe I took UTSA, but I did, and uh, so did Casey LL Dub for Paul. Couple, Paul is uh, on a good run here. A couple of early losses for Troy, and then they got it rolling the rest of the year. I liked it. Well, but, they both went in with 10-game win streaks in that game, yeah. if I recall. All right. And then it all comes to a crashing halt right here. God, were they bad. That was terrible. I mean, you know, and I'll be the first guy to admit, I was wondering if they were going to get Prater into some situational series during the season. Ben Bryant was pretty good. He was pretty good. Yeah. Because this offense, and I know they had some guys declare for the draft, and you know, I mean, I believe me, I get it. Um and it was a tough spot for Kerry Combs to be in. You're trying to hold everything together. Guys transferring. Uh, guys hurt. Quarterback making only his second start. Staff gone. Uh, leaving with Fickle, a lot of them. And, um, but boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, Satterfield better come in here and work some magic. Because next year, walking into the Big 12, brother, there are no layups anymore. I mean, this is a critical time for the University of Cincinnati football program, to say the least. This time a year ago, we were talking about a team cracking through into the college football playoff. And now all of a sudden, the man who put all that together is long gone in Luke Fickle. And I wish Satterfield nothing but the best. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, they better recruit and get some players in there. And, and, and you know, Maybe Prater turns out to be the next Des Ritter. I have no idea. 
But, you know, they had, they had all those guys back on the offensive line this year. What, all five starters from a year ago, if I remember right? They lost a lot in the secondary. Still went 9-4. and four. Nothing wrong with that. But do you think it was 9-4 and four if they're playing in the Big 12? Mm-mm. No chance. All right. It was frustrating, too, because I – if you've been watching the show, we've been fading UC all year on the on the spread. They just haven't been able to cover spreads that much this year. And I I gave them a shot in the bowl game. I thought, you know, without Malik Cunningham playing, oh, I just – Yeah, that brutal. was tough. That's tough. All right, on to the next. On to the next. I took a shot here, and boy, did I yes, swing and miss. Yes, you did, and that was boy, ugly. That was a layup for Oregon State. Bad pick. Tell you, Oregon State's got a nice team. They really do. They got a nice team. There, and they just uh, re-up with their coach on a new contract. Good for them. All right. A uh, couple more here. Fresno State. Fresno! All, all over Wazoo. All over them. Yeah, not a good pick by me. I was just trying to be different, trying to get a, get a quick one on you guys, and same thing with the next one, too. All right. Rice and Southern uh, Miss. Southern Miss, big. The fighting Brett Favre's. Big. Yeah, that was tough. Real tough. And, hey, here's one. Remember I told you? you BYU did. on the money line? You I did. said, if you wanted a money line pick, BYU is my pick. I did not know, and uh, shame on me. It's not an excuse. I did not know going into that game at SMU had all those players that were out, including the quarterback. But that's why you have not too picky. That's, I wanted to sprinkle in a money line at, at, at some decent odds. They were plus 150. Hope everybody took it. Happy to help, but this one, none of us helped on. The last pick of the day, Boise State, they did win, but not by enough. They only won by three. They didn't cover the ten and a half. Billy is asking me in the chat, how is it gifted, Tom? Those weren't three and outs. The defense made plays and got the ball. I am saying they made plays and got the ball, but the other team gave you the ball four times, including a fake punt, leading 17-3 to in their own territory. Any comment on the mean green? <laughs> Boise State. That's it. Those are L's across the board. Right? L's they across. won, but they did not cover. Straight across the board, baby. Okay. All right. Here's the here's the updated. All right. Record. The updated list. Where are we? Oh boy, Casey. Step back, Paul. With a commanding week. What was that? About eight and four, eight and five. What was that, Paul? Eight, eight and five. Yeah. Eight and five. All right, man. I had gotten a little closer. Closing in on Casey. You got to get to second before you can get to first. That was one of Harry Carey's great lines. You can't win three in a row until you win two in a row. You know what? Actually, Tom, speaking of that, before we get to, uh, before we get to Brian Billick here, I have a surprise for both you and Casey, Tom. Really? I do. So... My dad is a loyal viewer. Wait a minute, Boom Chakalaka just said we need to double check that math again because we've seen that. No, box. it's right. We 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 made sure it's right. All we right. made sure it's right. Before right. we get before we get into uh, Brian Billick here, my dad is a loyal watcher, listener of the show. He is. He doesn't comment, but he does watch and listen. Okay. okay? He and I both massive baseball fans, right? So he watched the other day Yogi Berra. I went and saw him. Came home the other day, had this sitting on the table. Look at that. An entire book of Yogi Berra. <laughs> the Yogi book. Just for you, Casey. Just for you me. mean Yogi Education. Barrera. Yogi Barrera. Yogi Barrera. 
Just for you, Casey. The Yogi Book. I like By it. By Yogi Berra. I really didn't say everything I said. <laughs> That's going, like, right here. <laughs> I came home the, the other day and... Sitting there right for me. Yogi Berra, one of the all-time greats. One of the all-time greats. One of the all-time greats is correct. So should we take a break before Brian Billick? Is that what we should uh, do here? Casey and I can go through the uh, stink list here. If you, we won't go to commercial, but we can if you need to. All right, go ahead. All right. Run it, Casey. It's that time of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right, so we do have an updated stink list for you, all of you today, and I'm sure we'll get Tom's comment on it later, but we have a lot to get to the rest of the show. We have Brian Billick coming up. We have Dan Horde coming up later in the show. If you're just watching, make sure you like the video, subscribe. I've seen we've our, our subscription numbers are already going up. The likes and everything else are just going up. But, Casey, you have an updated stink list for us, so throw it up there on the screen. And I know that the chat will be popping off at this. All right, hold on. Let me take the... Little thing off here so we can see everything. Casey, I want you to walk me through here how the Chiefs are not on your top tier. Come on. Are you serious? Yes. They almost lost to the Texans. The Literally the worst record team in the NFL, and they almost lost to them. But Casey, they it's gave, the they NFL, gave, Casey. They gave the ball back to the Texans in overtime. They couldn't get it done the first time, the first drive in overtime. They gave it to the Texans, and Davis Mills, just trying to make a play, happens to get the ball stripped. Are you kidding me? They were gifted the game. They should have lost this game. Let's move on. They, 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 they're not title towns anymore. They're just slowly getting worse You don't and worse think that the, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are competing for the number one seed in the AFC, which is the best conference in the National Football League, should be on the top tier of title towns? You don't think that? Nope. Not one bit. I mean, I don't think that they will win the Super Bowl this year, but they will absolutely compete for the Super Bowl this year. All right. All right. All right. All right. I mean, all right. I I know, I know Patrick Mahomes didn't make any mistakes or anything like that. All right. But no, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. They, you, can't you can't almost lose to this team. Okay. It's just simple as that. All right. That's fine. Uh, Col uh, the, the Colts. You're telling me that the Colts are better than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. Yes. I'm, well, one, I'm not going to overreact to the Vikings game. I still think the Vikings are frauds. Casey, they came back from 33 down. Yeah, they have a great offense, but have you seen how historically bad their defense is? It's miserable. Let's oh, not boy. let's not overreact here, guys. The real spirit the says, thank God Chatterbox doesn't drug test. <laughs> <laughs> how in the world do you have Kansas City on that second line? I mean, they, they, they've lost the second fewest number of games in the NFL. They almost lost I mean, to the are Texans. you kidding me? They almost lost to the And you have Texans. Miami and Minnesota ahead of Dallas. Dallas beat Minnesota 40-3. to They just lost to the Jags. I understand that. Which, but they the played Minnesota and beat them 40-3 to in Minneapolis. Casey. This is a week-to-week -week 
tier list of how stinky you are. And let me tell you, Dallas stunk. They let the Jags come back and beat them. They did. I'm not a big Cowboys guy, but they are better than Minnesota. And, and they're better than Miami. And you might be able to get out of me a borderline good for the Vikings, but I'm Dallas not going to Dallas isn't borderline good? No, there's only one borderline good team. You see the... Wait, 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 wait. You're, you're putting the Vikings and the Cowboys on the same level. Wait. Oh, man. I don't think this is as bad as some of the lists you've done this year. But this one's tough. See, the problem here, Casey, the problem with this list is that you had been making so much progress. Tom and I were so proud of you. You had done so well in the last few weeks to build up your credibility on this list from zero to at least a couple. And now, man, we got Kansas City being borderline good, and we have the Vikings coming down from coming back from 33 down, and the Cowboys not even being and the and the Dolphins going to Buffalo in the snow, none of them being even borderline good. And another, saying- and another point that is made, Paul, you're spot on here. I mean, another point that is made is all Casey does is talk up the Lions. And the Lions are on a stink list? They moved up. Moved up quite a bit, actually. You think they just beat the Jets and you have them behind the Jets? Well, the Jets probably should have won that game. Robert Sala, yeah, he, boy, he should have he, called that timeout. Boy, out. oh boy, did he. I mean, good Lord. Uh, you know... It's one of the few times I am not a fan in any form or fashion uh, outside of Boomer Esiason, and I love James Brown as a human being, but, but I am not a fan in any form or fashion of that CBS pregame show uh, and that studio show. Um, but yesterday, they did an excellent job because, in fairness, they had time. A lot of time in the studio, you don't have time because you're getting to games, this game to that game, a game going into overtime, another game running over, another game getting started. All right, so Brian Billick, kind enough to join us. We apologize for the uh, technical issues we were having with his audio. Not sure why, what was going on there, but clearly they were there, and uh, it's too bad. There were a number of, uh, of things I wanted to ask him about in and around the National Football League from this past weekend, um, especially that play with the, uh, the end of the game with the Patriots. So now you look ahead, and we've got Dan Horde coming up here in about uh, 15 minutes. Um, do we have access to the playoff picture thing? We do. We do. All, right, all right, well, let's start here and, and take a look at the way things would play out right now. Okay, so the Bills, and then we'll start with the AFC side. The Bills right now are the number one seed. Tell you what, that number two seed, you better be careful what you wish for. I mean, you get in the playoffs, you're going to play a good team, obviously. But I know one thing. I'd rather play the Chargers if I'm the three seed than play Miami as a two seed. Even though Miami's lost three in a row, uh, they gave Buffalo all they could handle and more in bad weather. Um, And their offense is capable of of putting up some major points. They got 29 against the Bills. So then the Bengals would host, uh, you know, all of a sudden the Chargers. Uh, The Chargers, you know, all the talk about Herbert, I mean, you know, it's weird because their defense, uh, I think I shared with you when they were on that Sunday night game or whatever it was a week ago, and the comment was made about when they go through the starting lineup, how nine of the guys who were in the starting lineup last week 
were not starters when the season began because of injuries. And yet their defense played very, very well yesterday. They knocked Tannehill around a little bit. Tennessee is spiraling quickly. Uh, a one-game lead over Jacksonville in the AFC South. Do they play again? They do. Right at the end of the year. Wow. How about that? What that can mean. So, um, you know, you start there and look, for the Bengals to get the number one seed, okay, Kansas City, let's start, let's start with a couple things. The first thing is Kansas City has to lose a game because the Bengals have lost four, Kansas City and Buffalo have lost three. Buffalo owns a tiebreak over Kansas City because the Bills beat the Chiefs. So number one, you have to hope Kansas City loses another game. And only one more. Number two, you have to win out. You being the Bengals. That means New England this week. That means beating Buffalo, which would give the Bills a fourth loss. But of course, the Bengals would hold the tiebreak if all had four losses over both Kansas City and Buffalo because you'd have wins over those two teams. So, that in a nutshell is, he, is, is how you get to the number one seed. There's no other path to get there unless Kansas City and Buffalo lose two or three, and, and that ain't happening. Uh, over on the other side is where it gets interesting because you have Minnesota is still the two. The 49ers, who have won like the Bengals six in a row, are at the three. And then you have Tampa Bay and Dallas. That would be an interesting game. Dallas is a better team. Tampa Bay beat them the first game of the year when they knocked uh, Dak Prescott out of the game. It's when Prescott broke his thumb. Uh, the commanders are, are, are just barely hanging on at this point. Uh, you've got Washington, a half game better because of the tie over both Seattle and the fighting Chris Spielmans. Now, you take a look, fellas. If you were a betting man, do you think the commanders get that final spot? Yay or nay? No. No. I don't think so. No? The, no. Yeah, the Lions are going to get that last spot. Uh, the way they're playing right now, you have to think that it'll probably be the Lions. Well, let's check the schedules here, fellas, of those three teams. Okay, so we start with the Washington football Wizards. Their schedule the rest of the year is as follows. Oh, boy, they're in big trouble. Yeah, they're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> they are Live in Live reaction, trouble. yeah. They play the 49ers this week. Al. They then play the Brownies at home. And play the Dallas Cowboys at home. So it's not going to be the Washington football commanders. No. So we start there. Now we move on to the Seattle Seahawks, who have a tiebreak advantage, as we mentioned earlier, over the Detroit Lions because they beat them. They have left in the season at Kansas City this weekend. Bye-bye. That's, That's one loss. They have the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets at home. Jets will be playing for something there. It's a good game. And then you have the L.A. Rams at home. I am saying Seattle 
is not going to do it either. I really don't think the Giants will either. Have you seen their well, schedule? Well, they're eight and f- they're, they're 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 now eight and five. Yeah, but look at their schedule. I know, but I mean, for them to get to eight losses, I mean, so we'll take a look. I mean, they got they got left on the schedule. They have the Vikings, the Colts, and the Eagles. They get one win out of those three, they're in. They'll beat the Colts. They won't beat the Vikings or the Eagles. But they get to nine wins. I think they're going to be in. Yeah, if they get one more win out of the three, I think they're Because in. they have a tie break. Um, they had a tie and a win over the Commanders. So they would win a tie break there, right? We'll yep. see. I mean, two more losses might be a big hit. You might be onto something there, especially with that tie. The best they could – I mean, that, that would mean, what, 8-7-1? and one? Is that right? No, 9-7-1. and one. Now, Again. if the Lions went out – yeah, if the Lions win out, they're in. Uh, unless Seattle wins out, but that's not going to happen. Have Washington. you seen their schedule? Yep, I'm looking at it right now. They go to the Panthers this weekend. They have the Bears at home. And then they go to Lambeau Field for the last game of the year. Uh, All right, I, what about the AFC side, fellas? I'm going to put up the graphic one more time. All right, let's go to the AFC side of things here for a second. All of a sudden, Miami, they were eight and four three weeks ago. Yep. Or eight and three, forgive me. Yeah. They've lost three in a row. But they have the final spot right now. The Chargers have a tiebreak over Miami because they beat them. Okay? So Miami left on the schedule. They're done with Buffalo now. They split with Buffalo. Their final three games are Packers at home, Patriots on the road, Jets at home. Those are all winnable for them. For sure. Not guaranteed, but looking good. Um, For the Chargers, I hit the wrong team here. Bear with me a second. Brown, the Browns are kind of hanging around, too. Well, they're hanging around, but they, they, they need all kinds of help. Chargers left on their schedule. I mean, are you kidding? Hit me with it. They play the Colt. They play the Rams. And then they play at Denver. Challenging schedule, Tom. Tell you what, though. Denver is, is, is not a layup anymore. They, I mean, they are at least competing. I will give them that. They compete. Their defense always competes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they really do compete. They've, they've had their issues, but they compete. All right. Tennessee is the four seed and the leader of the AFC South by one game. Left on their schedule, the Texans at home should be a win. Cowboys come into town, going to be tough. And then they end the year, as we mentioned, with Jacksonville. Okay? Yep. Jacksonville left on its schedule. Obviously, we talked about the season finale. That game will be at home against Tennessee. They play in New York against the Jets this weekend. That is a huge game with playoff implications. Yep. Uh, and then they play the Texans. You know what's crazy is 
the Jags actually have control of their own destiny. If they win out, they're in. Yeah. That's what's crazy. Yeah. I, can you believe that? They're in that position? The Jags. The Jags. Who would have thought that? I I never understood why the Eagles fired Peterson. The guy won a Super Bowl there. With Nick Foles. He's a heck of a coach, man. He's a heck of a coach. And he's got him at least down there. I mean, let's not get carried away now. I mean, at the end of the day, they're 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 what, five and eight, six and eight, right? Yeah, they're six and eight. I mean, so, you know, let's don't get carried away. I mean, yesterday they win. Uh, in overtime, they come back, give them all the credit in the world for that. It's the second time this year that they've won back-to-back games, um, something they obviously did not do last year. And so, you know, they're much improved. Uh, and, and, and Tennessee is just – the injuries are finally catching up. It, it's one guy after another, after another, after another, and uh, especially the key guys. Tannehill was getting killed yesterday, kept coming back in. Um but, you know, if you're a Bengals fan and you're sitting there thinking about, let's assume you don't get the number one seed and you don't get that bye. So put that playoff thing back up again. If you have to play in the opening round and you know you're going to be at home, which team would you least like to see of those that are hanging around the playoff picture in an opening round game? Now, we know they can beat anybody. That's a given. But saying, which team would you least like to see? Would it be Miami? Would it be the Chargers? Would it be New England? Or would it be the Jets? Which of those four would you least like to see? I say, without a doubt, that would be Miami. Yeah, it would either be Miami or the Chargers for me. Uh, That'd be a tough sell I'd probably say Miami too I'm not sure I'd want to see the Chargers either but you gotta look you gotta you gotta beat them to that's to right move on so that's right Casey any thoughts yeah. on that yeah I'm Miami and the Chargers are the two teams I don't want to see I could deal with everyone else even the Bills honestly <laughs> you'd rather play the you'd rather play the Bills than the Chargers I, I would I really would well, I think I think the the thing about Miami is when we played them we were at full strength and there's the the incident with Tua getting hurt the unknown of if he plays the full game I still think we would have won the game to just to clarify but if we're not healthy and we play Miami again I'm not so sure that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle don't just pop off and they did really well against us yeah. And then the Chargers, it's just Justin Herbert, man. I mean, I'm. we've already played him once. And in that game, it was, it was close up until Mixon fumbled the ball. But there is just something to be said about the Chargers' weapons that make Justin just look so good. He throws it up in the perfect spot for them to get the ball. They win so many one-on-one battles. And that is something that our team really struggles with. We're really good. We, we can play tight. But when they're really good at playing tight, we see, we seem to struggle in the secondary. So it's 
Those are the two teams I don't want to see. Well, the uh, one thing that I think we have all agreed, the, the one area of the Bengals, for all the good, I think the one thing we all agree, where they're short. Now, does that have a chance to change? It does have a chance to change, and that's in their pass rush ability. Herbert has been sacked 33 times this year. He's thrown for over 4,000 yards. He hits on roughly 68% of his passes, 21 touchdowns, 9 picks. They don't run the ball well. Um, You know, Eckler is a decent player. He's not a great player, but he's a solid player, all-around player. But they only average for the season a little more than three and a half yards per carry. But you're right when it comes to receiving weapons. I mean, they've got, they're like the Bengals in that regard. They're not as good as the Bengals. But, but they've got Palmer, Williams, Eckler, the tight end Everett, Keenan Allen, who's missed a lot of games. In only seven games, he has almost 500 receiving yards. And then DeAndre Carter. They, they've got, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six guys with almost 500 receiving yards this year. Did you include Eckler? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's spreading it around a little bit. Creates some problems for you. Yeah, and speaking of problems, I was going to say this earlier. Uh, Tom Pelissero just tweeted about a half – excuse me, about an hour ago. Um, Sam Hubbard's out till the playoffs probably. So that's something oh, to boy. keep an eye on. Yeah, that's tough. Mm. Oh, that just hit me hard. I mean, what do they do? Damn, guys, I mean to bring the mood down here. Well, the, the bottom line is, and, and look, I mean, you know, you hear it all the time, that next man up. This is an opportunity for somebody. But who's it going to be? I mean, how long have we been saying, you know, Osai, I mean, and finally he makes a couple of plays. Is he there yet? Nope. Carter? He doesn't even, I don't even know if he plays anymore. Now, Hendrickson will be back. I think he's going to be back sooner than the playoffs. I would bet that Hendrickson plays the Buffalo game. They're going to have to cast him up and get him out there and play. But now Hubbard, who, look, he may not be the, 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 the big sack guy and all that kind of thing, but he is simply an outstanding football player. He's smart. He's more times than not exactly where he needs to be or is supposed to be. He can play the run. He'll pick up a sack every now and again, apply pressure every now and again. But he is a, an excellent football player. Uh, he's been their third best lineman this entire year. And there are times he's been their best lineman this entire year when Reeder was out because Hubbard plays the run so well. Somebody has got to step in there. Yeah, big time. Because that pass rush was non-existent yesterday, by and large. Now, little as the game went on, you know, pockets started to collapse, forcing Brady to throw. He'd get hit every now and again. But they're going to need better because the Tampa Bay line just, I mean, you know, it's not very good. And, and they're going to need somebody to play better. Who, who, who's that guy? Who is that guy? I mean, uh, they, they've been finding guys to do it all year long. Did you know that Trey Flowers yesterday was the first interception by a Bengals cornerback this year? Yeah. 
That's hard to believe. Well, that's why I was saying earlier, like, we don't create a bunch of turnovers. And yesterday was different. But that's obviously not going to be something that we can rely on moving forward. Um, to answer your question, who is it going to be? You're looking at guys like Jeffrey Gunter. You're Who? Jeffrey Gunter. <laughs> You're looking at guys like... Who? Cam Sample. Who? These guys are rotational pieces, and they're going to have to start taking on starting-type roles. And I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. It really is. It's going to be tough. But Lou Anaruma always seems to... Dial it up, Lou. Dial it Dial up. Dial it up, Lou. He, he knows how to sprinkle the magic. So we'll see. We'll see what they can do. Was but it, was it the defense yesterday, or did the Bucks just give it away? Was it a combination? It was a com- it was a combination. I think they got some fire underneath of them, and the what helped spark it that was Tampa. Tampa helped spark the comeback. But the Bengals cleaned up shop. I mean, they took them to the woodshed. That's right, Casey. That's exactly right. Joe Burrow, four more touchdown pass. Did he Blake's break some record for consecutive games with a touchdown pass with, with Jeff Blake or something like that yesterday? Did I hear that on the radio? Uh, I wasn't able to, to, to watch the whole game. I had some things I had to get done yesterday. Christmas I think, shopping? I think somebody um, – no, I just had other things I had to do. Okay. Um, I mean, I, look, I, I love the Bengals, but, you know, it, it, life does go on. Um Let's see. There was something in here. Somebody wrote about it because I did hear about it on the radio. Something with um, Jeff Blake. Tied with Jeff Blake. 21 games. Consecutively. Yes. With a touchdown. Yep. Yeah. How about that? Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. Well, hey, look, you know, Emperor is saying breaking Jeff Blake. Hey, Jeff Blake had some good moments with his franchise. They had some bad teams, but there there was a spell there. He was a pretty exciting dude to watch. You guys aren't old enough to remember Jeff Blake, yeah. right? Never got to watch him. But I knew he yeah, had a he cannon He gave of this town a lot of excitement for a while, man. I mean, he was the big arm, throwing 40 and 50-yard touchdown passes. He was fun to watch. But, boy, did he play on some bad teams. Holy Moses. Shaken Blake, they called it. Hmm. You guys would have liked him. Casey, you'd have told me how many Super Bowls he was going to win during the dark ages of Bengals football. <laughs> the dark ages. The dark ages. How, how much did you stay with the Bengals, Casey, through the dark ages? I watched every game. Literally every Good. game. But it was miserable because I was still expecting them to win, like, regardless of how they were doing. By the end... I was kind of on the tank for two, uh, I forget, bungle for Burrow. Bungle for Burrow. We had a, uh, we have Shay, who I'm assuming, I don't know, uh, Shay says, I'm done listening to this gray-haired guy. That would be me. He's doubting what our team has been able to accomplish all year long. He's a sports commentator for the Bengals. And he didn't watch the whole game. Well, Shay, let, let's break that down just for a second. A, I am not the sports commentator for the Bengals. This is Chatterbox Sports here. Number two, I only had to run out for a minute or two, but I had to run out. I didn't miss a play. 
on the radio, I was still listening. And number three, I'm not doubting the Bengals. I'm asking who, as in, who are these guys? And I said it's an opportunity for somebody to step up. Turn it off. It's the beauty of this whole thing. You don't like it? Turn it off. That was a clap back, Tom. Don says, Tom, you don't have to explain to anybody why you missed some of the game. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good Lord. (laughs) God almighty. (laughs) Don't let the door hit you on the way out. All right. All right, we got uh, we got Dan's not in yet, but we do have Dan Horde coming up here in in just a minute. Okay. Um. T- uh. Oh yeah, Casey, go ahead. So, we let's, have a, let, let's talk about this day in history. We have a very quick this day in history. Ooh, a, I like these, but a All memorable right. one. All right, what is yeah. it? Quick but memorable. So we got a sports one, and we have an actual historical. Oh, good. One to talk about. Let's hear it. So, this day in sports history. Something called the Manhattan Miracle happened. I'm sure you remember this one, I do. And this is just something to live for the ages. Fire it up, Casey. He's not returned one for a touchdown this year. Wait. And it's a line drive kick. Jackson bobbles it and now has to try and recover. Deshaun Jackson gets a block. Are you kidding? Deshaun Jackson still not in and now in for the touchdown. No flags. Unbelievable. No time left. Eagles win. Jackson bobbled it and then let blocks get set up. Deshaun Jackson. What a cat. That dude, I, I tell you what, right now, and he's had a great career. He's a borderline Hall of Fame guy when you start adding up all the receiving yards and the punt returns and the kick returns. I think he could have been one of the 10 greatest receivers in the history of football. I think there was a while there his concentration wasn't there all the time because he is an unbelievably gifted player and has had a great career. All right, what's next? Uh, we have one other thing before we get to Dan Horde, who is in the waiting room, but this is – and a piece of American history here. Throw it up there, Casey. There it is. General George Washington. And Tom, you know what General George Washington is. Leader of men. There's no question about that. 1777, General Washington leads the Continental Army into Valley Forge. They come out the other side, a, a changed nation. And my understanding is I've never been to Valley Forge, but I had oh. a buddy of mine who was there not too long ago. I hear it is well worth the trip. You got to go, Tom. Yep. Yep. You gotta, I, I hear mean, it's fantastic. I love American history. That is indeed a leader of men. General George Washington. First president of these great United States of America. And a man who sees a lot of it is our main man, Dan Horde. He has gone from Cincinnati to Boston to Tampa and back to Cincinnati within roughly 72 hours. Dan Welcome home, young man. Thank you, sir. And I can confirm that Valley Forge is well worth the trip. My dad took me and my two older sisters to Valley Forge when I was young, probably seven or eight years old. And even at that young age, Dan Horde, with hair, found it very cool. (laughs) So you should check it out. 
I am definitely going to check it out. Uh, I'll be an empty nester this time next year. And so uh, start getting out and doing some of that stuff. Um, let's start with UC. Um, you know, look, some guys declared early. Uh, coaching staff, part of it leaves with Luke Fickle. God bless Kerry Combs. He came in there trying to hold it all together. Was there anything to um, get excited about or get discouraged about, or you just sort of shove it off into its own little category of the game on Saturday? I would say there's one thing to be excited about, and that is the fact that Louisville's defense – is coming to Cincinnati, at least in terms of how it's coached and the strategy. Louisville was second in the nation in sacks this year. Obviously, the Bearcats couldn't block them on Saturday at Fenway. They sacked Evan Prater seven times, six times in the first half. So if that's the style of defense and the type of players that Scott Satterfield and his defensive staff are going to be bringing to Cincinnati going forward, I think that is something to be excited about. It wasn't very exciting for Bearcat fans to watch on Saturday, but uh, it could be going forward. You know, Dan, I was just kind of curious. It's one thing to, uh, to, to, to put a lot of uh, faith into a young man who's making only a, you know, a second start in a row since Ben Bryant got hurt referring to Evan Prater. But what, what happened when was Louisville's defense just that good, as you just pointed out? Or Because, you know, the, the, the UC has a very good offensive line and an experienced offensive line. Kind of a perfect storm situation, Tom. So Louisville, like I said, number two in the country in sacks. How do they get them? They blitz the heck out of you. So in a lot of instances, they're bringing more guys than you can block, and you've got to get rid of the ball quickly, and you've got to have it schemed up to deal with that kind of thing. So now you're in a bowl game where your top five receiving targets aren't there. Uh, the guys that ideally you would throw a short pass to that would turn it into a 70-yard touchdown like Trey Tucker or Tyler Scott. Those guys are gone. Uh, much of your offensive coaching staff is gone. So it's difficult to make adjustments in a game like that where the defense is doing things you don't see a lot. So I really think it was a perfect storm type of situation. I don't put it all on Evan Prater. It would have helped, I think, to have a more experienced quarterback to make the adjustments and deal with stuff like that. But uh, that wasn't the case in that game. And obviously it was a difficult matchup for Cincinnati. Okay, where is the program, Dan, in terms of recruiting? Whenever you have a coaching change, you're going to have guys that either leave and go with Luke Fickle, in this case up to Wisconsin. Guys will decommit, reopen the recruiting process. Where do you think UC is at this point in time? Well, that's all Scott Satterfield and the coaches that he has brought with him to Cincinnati have been doing since he got the job. It's been recruiting nonstop. I think they've done a reasonably good job of holding on to some of the good players that Luke Fickle had committed to Cincinnati, including the quarterback that was part of this class. It's Mr. Football in Michigan. So great to get him to uh, stay on board. I think they have seven guys, if I'm not mistaken, that have announced plans to stay. Uh, there are a couple of guys that are still kind of considering their choices. And then several guys have either gone to Wisconsin or decided to go elsewhere. So that's what's going to happen in this situation. Uh, a couple of the recruits that Scott Satterfield had committed at Louisville have announced plans to come to Cincinnati. And then there's still plenty of openings for high school players and for transfers. So that's what they're working on. That's all they're working on. And uh, I think so far it's gone about as well as you could hope, quite honestly. All right, let's talk about the Bengals yesterday. The first half, you watched it. You're sitting there at halftime with your buddy Dave Lapham and your crew, and you're thinking what at halftime? 
Well, you're thinking because of that field goal at the end of the half, at least they have some momentum. And we know that this is a team that isn't phased when they get behind in the first half, uh, going back to last year and the playoff wins that they had and the, and the regular season win over Kansas City as well. So that gave you some hope. I can't honestly say I felt good about it because until the final drive of the first half, I think the total yards are like 260 to 30. They were playing poorly. It looked like their injuries in the secondary were going to be a major problem, but Credit Lou Anarumo and the defense. They adjusted. They started putting more pressure on Brady. How about four takeaways and 11 snaps in the third quarter against that guy? It was simply unbelievable. And although it wasn't a great day for the Bengals offense, starting with the field position they had in the second half, uh, they were able to move it enough uh, to punch it in four times and win the game. You know, Dan, we were talking right before you came on. Uh, the tweet came out from down at Paycor that it looks like Sam Hubbard now with the calf injury left early in the game yesterday did not return, uh, that he is going to be out until the playoffs. Uh, and, of course, the Bengals are fighting for a divisional championship. Heck, they're fighting for a number one seed. Um, how, do, how do you continue to explain uh, this depth of this franchise? I mean, I, I mean, all the way from offense, defense, to the long snapper, to the punter, who's the same guy who's the holder. I mean, it seems like it never ends. Uh, do, do you think there's still some guys all of a sudden we haven't talked about that we might be talking about? Yeah, you might have to. I mean, Jeffrey Gunter now is probably going to step up and get more snaps uh, if Sam Hubbard is out for the rest of the regular season. I think Trey Hendrickson is going to be back probably not this week maybe next week in the Monday night game against Buffalo, especially if he's you know able to play with some sort of club uh, on his hand that has the broken wrist. So you lose Sam, you might get Trey back, but yeah, more guys are going to have to uh, take advantage of their opportunities. And I guess Jeffrey Gunter was a seventh round draft pick this year is probably next in line to at least be in the rotation. He's certainly not going to be at the top of the totem pole, but he probably starts getting some snaps. Did, did you feel yesterday, Dan, and you mentioned, and we've talked about it a long time already today, the four takeaways, the turnovers. Um, I, I just felt like, and for the life of me, I mean, I see it every single week in the NFL. And look, I mean, I, I've never been a, quarter, a, a, a coach, never will be a coach, not smart enough to be a coach, a football coach. But, you know, whether it's uh, the New England game and the last play of that game, which I still cannot believe happened. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody can believe it happened. But even the fake punt yesterday. Now, look, you know, Todd Bowles can say uh, it should have been, a, you know, a four or five yard run. They're ahead 17 to three. They're punting. They haven't started this litany of turnovers yet. And instead of just t snapping the ball to the punter, they're going to try something cute in their own territory. I just felt like you gave the Bengals a reason to get excited. I mean, the only thing, as you just pointed, they had to be excited about the whole game to that point was the field goal before halftime. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what went wrong there. Clearly, Giovanni Bernard was not expecting the ball to be snapped to him. So in those fake punt situations, the personal protector, Giovanni Bernard in this case, has the freedom to call it off or in some cases has the freedom to green light it. Uh, Gio took all of the responsibility when he was asked about it after the game, but that's probably him just covering for others. So for whatever reason that it was botched, that's one thing, but it should have never been called. You're that deep in your own territory, like you said, punt it 
play defense. The Bengals, to that point, had had one okay drive in the two-minute drill out of five possessions in the first half. So too risky, didn't need to do it. You seem to have the game in pretty good control, and that definitely breathed life uh, into the Bengals' sideline. Uh, even though they didn't uh, score a touchdown after recovering that, uh, it kept the momentum going in their direction, and from there on in, they dominated. You know, Dan, I'm kind of curious, and I'm not asking you to sit here and spill secrets in any way, shape, or form because, you know, you get a chance to ride on the Bengals team, team charter, just like I did with the Reds, you know, all those years or other baseball teams, what have you. But I'm just kind of curious uh, as an overall mood. You win the game, uh, clearly taking advantage of the other team's mistakes. You also know that the injuries continue to pile up. You know what's coming. How would you describe the overall mood of the team? at this? I mean, you've won six in a row, so how bad can it be? But you know what I'm getting at here. The Bengals are better than they were last year. I don't think there's any debate about that. Maybe you would, you would disagree with me. I'd be curious maybe if you do. But I think they're better than they were a year ago. Does that mean they get to the Super Bowl? No, it doesn't. But I, but I like their chances at this point in time this year better than last year. But what, what's the, the, the mood of the team right now if there is such a thing? Well, let me speak specifically to the mood yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, because when I went down from the uh, press box to the locker room to do post-game interviews, I was expecting it to be giddy. I was giddy. Lap was giddy. It was a great comeback. You beat Tom Brady when you're down 17-zip. That had never happened to him at home in his NFL career spanning 23 years. So I walked in that locker room really expecting, like I said, a giddy mood. And that's not what I found. Sure, they were happy. But it was kind of businesslike, which surprised me. Um, you know, there was you know some frivolity on the uh, flight back to Cincinnati. Guys were happy playing cards, stuff like that. Uh, but it was less over the top excited than you might expect, considering what they had done. And I think that speaks well for the team in general. You know. Zach Taylor in the postgame celebration made the speech. We're not giving out T-shirts and hats. We didn't clinch anything with this win. Uh, we're moving in the direction that we want to go. But I think the team has kind of picked up on that, and that's how I would describe the move. It's still unfinished business, even though they have climbed into first place in the division. All right, Danny. Well, I want to thank you, as always, for your time. A very Merry Christmas to you and your family. Um, I'm hoping you get back at a decent time from um... – Foxborough uh, after the game on Saturday to enjoy uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with your family. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, Danny. Thanks, as always, for everything. Merry Christmas to you as well, Tom, and everybody there. And uh, it's time to get my Christmas shopping started. Yeah, well, that might help. That might be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> that might be considering you got to leave Friday. Started you might want to get going. Day. Well, I don't want to hold you up. Get out the door and get rolling. Get going. There we Just go. Click away like most people do now, right? <laughs> click away. Click away. Dan Hort, always so gracious, and uh, we're so grateful for his time. Um, you know, there's a guy, and I talked about him not getting the Reds job, right? You know, when, when I got run. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals job is open. Baseball broadcasting job is open, sadly. Uh, my old friend Dan McLaughlin uh, lost his job. Um, it's been in the papers and all that kind of thing here recently. I don't know if Dan's even applying for that Cardinal job, but if you're out there with the Cardinals, there's a guy you ought to consider. What about Paul? Are you applying for that job? The Cardinals job? Yeah. Uh, I'll throw my name in the hat. 
Well, sure. have you thrown it in the hat? Have you done anything about it? What the hell are you waiting on? Need some uh, needs need some recommendations. Need need a letter of recommendation. Put a tape together. I'll get in there. Well, I mean, I, my my letter of recommendation may not be what it once was. <laughs> I mean, since I'm an ex professional, according to the guy sitting to your left, but I would be happy oh. to recommend you for that job. I would say Tom. That's that a big job. Major League Baseball is a little little. I would say that's a, a few steps past where I see I'm this is at. where I have a problem with with your generation. Okay, this is where I have a problem because you guys you you don't think big, you don't think big. In 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 the winter of 1989, I was a weekend sports anchor at Channel Five, and I was doing about 40 Reds games on television. The Chicago Cubs job opens up. I'm in California, and I read about it in the sporting news, right? I call my old buddy, Bill Hemmer, who's back in Cincinnati, and I said, dude, do me a favor. Rip off about five minutes worth of a tape. Here's the address. Send that baby off to Chicago. Cubs job just opened, right? I don't tell my dad. Don't tell my mom. Don't tell anybody. But you know what? You never know until you try. They had hundreds of people apply for that job. Probably 90% of them were more experienced and a better announcer than me. You just never know. You never know. You've got to think and dream big. I don't want to hear in the studio ever again. It was too much of a long shot. Put the damn tape together. All right? <laughs> okay. And let's see what happens. All right. All right. Is that all right? All right. I can do that. Is that fair advice? That's fair advice. All right. Do we have a cherry on top? We do. Before do. we get to Trace's tired shirt <laughs> and box lunch coming up. All right, here we go. All right, here's the UDF cherry on top. It's definitely not this computer because this is my son's computer. It's about a thousand years old and the power's up. So this cherry on top today comes courtesy of the World Cup yesterday, and it is an awesome drone video of Buenos Aires, the capital of Argentina. Oh, let's see that. Look at this and the scene after they won the World Cup. See, now they talk about, like, you know, World Series um, parades and Super Bowl parades and all this other kind of thing here in the United States. None of them look anything like this. I mean, you just think about it, Tom. Back in 2018, 1.12 billion people watched the World Cup final and yeah. – and 3.2 billion at least turned it on yeah. at some point in the match. That was four years ago. Think about this with Messi in his last World Cup final, what these numbers are going to look like. Oh, they'll be insane. It'll be incredible. Insane. Billion. I mean, we're talking 3.2 billion. That's almost half the world. Yeah. You're right. I don't know what it says about the world. <laughs> it's a soccer. What about, what about Fox Sports? Not football. What about Fox Sports going from... 
the greatest soccer game of all time to Andy Dalton and Desmond Ritter <laughs> in a matter of two minutes. Cut it off very quickly. <laughs> I think that Fox was hoping in their international feed, I, I think they were hoping that there would be like, knowing that that was the backup plan, that they were hoping for like nine rounds of penalty kicks. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that drop off? I mean, that might be the greatest drop-off in the history from one television show to another television show of all time. And the NFL does draw pretty well. But from the viewership of that World Cup final to the Falcons v. Saints. It's like going from off the bench to box lunch. (laughs) (laughs) You said it, not me. Reed, you said it, not me. How we doing, man? Good weekend? Good. Tom, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, uh, Shay got on you a little bit, and I, I think I agree. I think as a, as a Bengals broadcaster that you are, <laughs> you've got to be a little more upbeat. I am very upbeat. I am very upbeat. But look, somebody in the room has to ask some of the questions that no one wants to ask. Does Casey really ain't ask if him. they play? No, no, Casey. No, he he forget. He's right there with Shay. <laughs> What? That's why we love Casey. He's right. That's why we love all the, all the hardcore fans. That's what you're supposed to be. I'm a fan. It's a fanatic. But would you want to be behind Buffalo 17 to 3? No. Okay. These guys are okay with it. I'm all up for the challenge. If we're playing Patrick Mahomes, I don't think 17 3 is enough. We got to be down 21 to 3. Yeah. Again, we're getting back to those two famous words. What's that? What are they, Casey? Last year. That's right. There it is. Those I are, think that there's something to that, though. You Here's the thing about the, 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 the bingo fandom that's difficult to get over the hump. Some do it just because they're fans and they, they – they, And God bless them. Some, like yourself, though, I would argue to try to get you over this hump, Tom. And I'm not saying you're there yet. But you could say the Patriots had that – that swagger, that mojo, you just felt like they were going to find a way to win. No matter the situation. You mean in the heyday? What? In the heyday. Well, yeah, when Tom Brady was. Okay, was, okay. Was I just want to make sure I understood what you were talking about. So, yeah, so I'm saying like, and I would, I'm not saying the Bengals are there yet, but I think that there's this weird fandom and this, this thought process with the Bengals with inside their locker room, and I have certainly some fans, but even inside the locker room, that they do think that they're going to come back and win every game. Now, I don't think that that's the way that they obviously go about it. They're not like, hey, let's go down. Yeah. Let's go down 17-3 at half, and then we'll just assume that the foul, or excuse me, that the Bucks are just going to hand us the game, which is kind of what happened. And I didn't want to come in here and be this like oh, negative no. Nancy kind of guy. Oh, boy. But, and I know that's what everyone in the office thinks. All Trey's going to come in here and just make it's fun of It's your favorite thing. It's not my favorite thing. I just think that I will give the Bengals credit, and they, they capitalize on the opportunities, though. Like, they scored touchdowns. I agree. They could have kicked field goals. I agree. They could have allowed the Bucks to hang around. And they did what they did. What finally needed to happen with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, for the first time in his career, in my opinion, sat on that sideline, and he thought to himself that I'm the reason we are losing this football game. I genuinely think that. Because what else was he looking at that iPad for so long for? It almost looked like he was like the guy that didn't want to interact with the person that he knows across the cafe. And he's just like, I got to stick something in my face. I got to take a fake phone call. Honestly, I felt bad for Tom, maybe for the first time. I know Bengals fans did it, but in the moment I was just like, 
That's the end of it. I genuinely think that now you can say Burrow's the guy that broke Brady or whatever it may be, and I'm sure that'll be the narrative. But I genuinely think, and I say all this, and they'll probably get in at six and whatever, six and ten, they'll get in the playoffs somehow or whatever the record. Right, be. get to the championship game. And then they'll, they'll yeah, go to right, the Super right, Bowl right, and right. whatever. Right. But I, I just think that it's time. It really is time for Tom to go. Well, there's two parts of that, and I'm with you a thousand percent. And I mean, it's a phenomenal feeling to have in a locker room, in any sport, where you really believe that no matter what, you're going to find a way to win the game. And I very much think the Bengals have that mindset. Mm -hmm. I think that if they fall behind, they don't want to be behind, like you pointed out. They prefer to be playing ahead from the you know, first five minutes of the game through the rest of the game. Everybody would. But they very much do believe that they can beat anybody, no matter what the score is. And there's a lot to be said for that mindset. And I give Zach Taylor and Anna Rumo and the players, staff, all the credit in the world for it. As for Brady, um, I just don't understand, and I've never understood this. I mean, it's like that Indianapolis-Minnesota game. I don't understand how a team can look so good. And let's be honest about it. I mean, in that first half, Tampa Bay looked really good. They yeah. looked like a playoff, bona fide, contending team. Yeah. 260 yards of offense. They don't turn it over. They score 17 points. Their defense gives up nothing till the last second of the first half. They force the Bengals on three and out. They get a takeaway. Uh, they look like a good, solid playoff team. And then in the span of 17 minutes of game clock, they look like the worst team in the NFL. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? I've... Seriously, how does that happen? Momentum's a real thing. No doubt. And, 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 and I don't know when coaches will come to the realization that if, if things are going relatively well, you don't, you don't poke the bear, as they say. I mean, you guys were in here questioning whether or not, you know, like, oh, do you just, I think, mean, Rightfully so, Paul brought up the fact that if you're going to go for it, just go for it. How about you just punt the ball? No doubt. Your defense has been playing incredibly well, and you just decide that you're going to go out on a whim and go for a fake punt and give all the momentum in the world back yep, to the right. Bengals. That makes zero sense to me. And then the other thing that doesn't make sense to me, too, is like I heard um, Billick before he started having the, the static situation going on is like he was talking about how these, these coaches have charts yeah. and all this stuff. for Like at what point, Tom – do we, I don't want to say as a society, that's probably too big of a term, but we, as fans, just be like, can't coaches just use their brain? Just be like, okay, we got a minute left in the game. I got three timeouts. I just got a 40-yard gainer. It's going to take my team, what, 25 seconds to get to the ball? Yep. Maybe I just call a timeout. Like, why does everything got to be so chart yeah, I mean, they, they, CBS did such an excellent job. And you had different differences of opinion. I don't know if you saw the segment. You know, you've got Phil Simms in there who's going back to maybe four or five plays before the big long game, right? Then you get Boomer Esiason in there who's saying, oh, wait a minute now. You know, I'm looking more at the long play like you're talking about. And then Cower, you know, they all sort of defer to Cower because he's a Super Bowl winning coach. And that's mm -hmm. fine. You should. I mean, he's been there a thousand times. And he talks about how he feels like you wait till you get to a minute. But, but, but you know, there's always gray area in there. And like you said, the, the big long pass play, that was to Wilson, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. So, I think. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, you're waiting for your offensive lineman 
to jog 45 or 50 yards down the field and you don't spend a timeout, it forces you to kick, what was that, about a 50-yard, 45-yard field goal Zerline had longer than that? Yeah. I think it was 51. Okay, yeah, it was, it was a tough one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'd have killed for that to be 38, Yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah, it I mean, that's a difference. Goal. You know, I mean, it, it, you play the whole game, you compete your tail off, you play against a team that's playing well right now, you go with a quarterback who everybody's south on, he plays pretty good, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's getting you down the field, at least for a chance to tie the thing up, and then you don't know what happens, and you got a coach over there standing, looking around, and you're like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. All There's right, two I, things that are inexcusable in this league, and I, I don't want to keep. Uh, the other thing the Bengals need to figure out is their their challenging situation. As well. oh, I, 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 this is from an outsider's perspective. <laughs> you can see I'm a Packers fan, but when I watch Bengals games, these guys challenge plays, and you're like, "What's the win? I mean, is there that big of a win here to to possibly lose a timeout and lose the opportunity of challenging a play later in the game when it's a little more meaningful?" And then they don't challenge plays where it's like, "Okay, Jamar Chase has two feet in bounds and the ball's over the goal line." But let's rush to the line and snap the ball as yep. fast as we can. Yep. And, and, and I'm not trying to be, to be negative out of timeout uh, with 14 minutes left in the in the half in the quarter yeah. every game. Like how how are how are these guys? And again, I, I don't know if coaches. I know in college they're making millions of dollars. I don't know what the, the salaries are in the in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But like, you spend too much time in the office. I mean, these guys put 100 hour work weeks in. Well, easily. And it's like we don't just know the basics or the fundamentals of a clock at the end of the game, and then we challenge just random stuff that just doesn't seem like it's worth it well i think and you know and again this is just talking to people through the years what's happened is is that you've got these coaches with the headsets on right and and, and it's a lot like when you're broadcasting there's a lot of time you're brought you know you got these headsets on and you, you can't see the forest for the trees there's something right there in front of you and you're not mm -hmm. seeing it because you got nine voices in your head you right. got to go to this you got to go to that you got a guy sitting next to you talking you got a producer in your ear talking and before you know it you know, you, you just missed a streak or running down the middle of the field, right? right. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's what happens, I think, to some of these coaches. They're standing there. They got four or five voices that are on in there. You, you know you're getting near the end of the game. Are we going to call two plays? Does Salah like? He doesn't call the plays on offense, but does he like what he's hearing about the plays they're going to call? He's got to make sure the quarterback, and he's responding, understands what's going on. And then the next thing you look up, and you don't even know that 20 seconds have just gone by. It's not an excuse, but I think that's what's happening with right. some of these sure. guys. Do you think they'll ever get to a point in the NFL where they assign roles and responsibilities? Like, I know I, I've said this before, but one like, guy just one like guy's it. job is literally a clock manager. And he has the he has everything, I don't say figured out, but it's his job to call a timeout. Like, if they want a timeout, not the head coach's responsibility, and you just give them trust. If the head coach doesn't call every single defensive play and doesn't call every single offensive play, then I think that you can say there's delegation going Problem on. Problem is, so I mean, I'm sure those guys exist. I have no doubt they exist for every team in football. I'm mm -hmm. sure they have that guy. Now, whether he's down on the sideline or he's up top, I have no idea. Um, but, but there's no way they're ever going to get to a point where, I mean, can you imagine, pick any head coach in the league. You're going to let some dude standing next to you all of a sudden just start saying, hey, coach, call timeout. Well, they ought to think about they it because Zach Taylor's it. out here calling. You know how I know. But you know as well as I do. I right? understand what you're saying. But Zach Taylor's out here calling timeouts to save to save five yards or whatever it is on a, on a point after attempt. And they they run the point after attempt, and it's a 20 – it's like a 15-yard pass. Well, I mean, the, the, I, I, how in the world you have to spend a timeout on a two-point conversion play? Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes you'll see some teams – I don't think it's happened to the Bengals this year. It did last year where you come out of a timeout and you have a delay a game. Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted the, to be fair to, to Taylor. He wanted them to reset the, the yeah, play clock, yeah. which they do a lot of the times on those situations. 
and he didn't get what he wanted, and he obviously was very upset about it. So I won't crush Zach about that, but I just think sometimes, again, I know things are moving fast, and as you said, there's a million there's a million people talking in your ears about things, but I don't know, man. It's just frustrating when I watch the NFL, and it's like they put so much time, effort. They're really knowledgeable people, and then they just can't figure out the basics. Well, that, dude, that, 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 I, that, I mean, the and the story case. came out over the weekend. I can't remember what the number was, but just when you think the NFL guys are the smartest guys in the room, they came out at the owners' meetings and a, and a memo out to everybody, and they put it on some PowerPoint presentation about all the hundreds of millions, uh, 800 million? 800 million. 800 bill, million not of guys that aren't even working. Million. Guys that aren't even working. On getting rid of contracts, yeah. right? Con between head coaches and the one they pointed out, the big one was uh, the guy in Carolina who's now going to Nebraska, Matt. Uh, why am I drawing it? Rule. Matt Rule. Yeah. I mean, and, and then other executives and all the money the NFL is spending on guys that aren't even around anymore. All right. Fair enough. It's time for box lunch, fellas. We're talking about the hoods a lot. Yeah, we're talking about the fighting hoods. The Bengalis is Tom. Bengalis. Roll it. Tom likes six, to call. six straight. Six straight. Super Bowl. <laughs> Love it, Tom. Fair enough. Love it, Tom. See so, you guys. See you, Tom.